All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question on a topic that the listener was interested in and they send that question to us by visiting our website techgumbo.net and this week was not a question but it was a listener who was fact-checking something we said. Yeah, so we're really excited about this. Uh, We had a listener who called us out. Last week, I made a statement about corporate ownership of farms, and turns out the picture that I had in my head was incorrect. Corporations only own about 3% of farms, and that's small and medium-sized farms are more than half of the current U.S. farm ownership. As we did some more digging, though, it gets a bit more nuanced. That's right. According to the USDA, most U.S. farms are run and owned by small families. However, they also only account for about 20% of the total farm production. Yes. Another interesting and concerning fact that we found was that the number of small and medium-sized farms has basically been cut in half over the past 30 years, and that corporate farms are growing. Yeah, a lot of these farms, which are a lot of times third, fourth, fifth generation farms, the younger generations are not wanting to remain farmers. And so those farms are then being sold to the much larger corporations or the farmer is still retaining the land, but leasing the the land out to larger corporations to produce the crops. So there is a lot of good farmers in this, especially here in South Louisiana love them, respect them, want to see them do well. We are very pro-farmer on this show. And I'm so glad that, that our listener did fact check us. And and we're good with that. Oh, so, please. Yeah. You know, if you, any other listener, want to call us out on something, we will go. We will take your comments. We will do some research. And we hope that, you know, both the original commenter and all of our listeners took this as an opportunity to see the, the complexity of the situation. Because we're not going to sit here and, and pretend we know all and, and we, we can make mistakes. Even in the middle of a show, we make mistakes from time to time. So thank you again. I'll be reaching out and, and, and I'm going to send you, our listener who fact-checked us, a Tech Gumbo mug because we appreciate you listening to the show. Absolutely. So the rest of the show, we wanted to talk a, a lot about follow-ups to recent stories we've talked about. And the first one is NASA's DART, the Double Asteroid Rendezvous Test. 
Well, it happened. Yeah, this was super cool. Uh, if you haven't seen the videos, go out and watch them. Basically, what NASA was trying to do is they were working on an asteroid defense system that in the future, should we see an asteroid that is headed right towards Earth, NASA wanted to make sure they had some trick up their sleeves so that we can avert this and that we don't end up with a much larger catastrophe. So they targeted Dimorphos, which is a, a very large space rock, and it, Dimorphos has a moonlet called Didymos, which is very small rock that f kind of buzzes around Dimorphos. Well, NASA wanted to hit Dimorphos and see what kind of impact they could have. Uh, Dimorphos is moving at 37,000 miles an hour, and NASA's DART was moving at 14,000 miles an hour, and they hit that sucker right dead in the middle. And the, the images of just this rocket, this rock getting closer and closer and closer, and then, then it loses signal. Yeah, and the, they say that the, the DART rocket was about the size of a golf cart. Well, the asteroid was about the size of the Great Pyramid. And so they didn't necessarily have to blow the whole thing up. All they needed to do was just nudge it a little bit. And so over the next coming days and weeks, they're going to sit there and they're going to keep watching the orbit. And all they need to do is say, you know, did it divert one degree? Because, you know, it's so far out that all you have to do is just like push it slightly off course. And now all of a sudden it misses Earth entirely. And that's that's what they're working on. They feel very confident, but because they're the, the scientists, they need to measure, they need to confirm, they need to do their tests. But it, it looks good. And this was the very first time ever that NASA was excited about losing one of their space vehicles. Yeah, they normally have a pretty good record of keeping them intact. So uh, DART ending up as a shroud of dust is a new one. Good on NASA. They hit their target. Moving along, we wanted to do another follow-up on the infrastructure bill that was signed because now all 50 states plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico are eligible to get reimbursed by building out electronic vehicle charging stations. Yeah, this is a big one. You know, we talked about the how do you solve the chicken or egg problem with the EVs and EV charging stations. And one of the things the federal government can do is they can lower that barrier. And so, you know, if you build it, they will come. That's that's their motto here, that, you know, you provide money so that people go out and they build these things. And this incentivizes more users to say, well, you know, EVs are cheaper for me to own in the long term if I don't have to buy gas every time, if I don't have to go to the mechanic to get my oil changed. You know, you lower that fear of, oh, well, maybe my car runs out of energy. Now, all of a sudden, you start to see this transition become more and more plausible. That's right. So you go out, you have to build and you pay, you put the money up up front to build these charging stations or a charging network, if you will. And then the federal government will reimburse you, which is a good way to do it. They're not giving the money away up front. You go make your investment and then we'll we'll make you whole on the back end. I'd much rather that that process. If we're going to spend the money, let's spend it that way. Yeah. And we can see the effect that it's having in 2022 we see that the U.S. is uh, about 11% of total sales are EVs, uh, and globally, the number is 13%. Uh, 
So, you know, we, we're seeing that over the past three, five years, the U.S. is growing that percentage. And so, you know, with this huge push in this EV infrastructure, you really have to expect this number is going to continue to grow and change over time. Fascinating thing about that global number, the largest number of electronic vehicles sold per country is in China. Oh, they are double the rest of the world. And they also doubled from 20 to 2020 to 2021. They are exploding in their EV growth because they have all that pollution that they're trying to reduce. And it turns out this is a great way to do that. It really is. And they're also being able to subsidize those vehicles a lot more because of the the communist government that, that is there. But hey, if it gets more electronic vehicles out there and it, it helps push the industry along, okay, that's fine. It was fascinating to see the number of electric vehicles in and just in the United States also doubled from 2020 to 2021 and will double again in 2022. So each year that number just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, whenever I first saw this number, I expected us to be down in the range of 5%. So to see us at 11 was very pleasing. And, you know, you really just have to think that as more vehicle manufacturers come out with different types of EVs, you know, you have the EV trucks now, you have the some of your higher end cars are coming out as EV because they can go faster. You know, you get the horsepower much stronger. This is, is a technology that's it's not just for the tree huggers anymore. This is becoming a very practical, very reasonable technology as well. And it's also it dovetails right into the fact that solar power is becoming cheaper and cheaper to produce. Absolutely. A lot of these these green uh, technologies uh, you know, aren't just we're doing it because we feel good about them. It's because solar per megawatt hour per kilowatt hour is becoming very competitive with natural gas and with uh, fossil fuels. And so if you were looking to build new energy infrastructure and add capacity to the system, solar's a really good bet. And especially because it's only going to continue to get cheaper. The price has dropped a staggering amount over the past decade. And you really have to expect that it's going to continue to plummet. So when you factor in how much easier it is to produce electricity from solar and and you, you're going to have that many more charging stations, no wonder electric vehicles are becoming more and more popular. Yeah, this is it's a very good sign. Everyone wins on this. This, this is a fantastic thing for the future, especially if we're doing it here in America. You know, because these are our futuristic jobs. These are our sustainable jobs. These are high paying jobs that that are growing here. This is something that we all should be excited about. So something else we've talked about extensively on this show is the Starlink, the SpaceX satellite based Internet system. PC Magazine went out and, and they did a big deep dive, big review on it, and they think it, it's a good deal. Yeah, this is, you know, again, they very much echo if you live in a city and you have the cable to your home where you already get Internet, Starlink's not going to replace that. But if you're not someone who already has access to the Internet, then this actually is a really great thing for you. You're going to see solid performance. If you're in the rural area, it's going to hands down beat anything you've got. And it's pretty straightforward. It's 99 bucks a month. 
and that's it. Go. Now the downside is yes, you got to buy that $500 dish and it's not available everywhere yet. That's coming. That's getting, but the more people who get on the network, sometimes it slows down a little bit. So you have some pluses and minuses as you go along with, with Starlink. Yeah, that point about congestion, that's one that we've brought up in the past is that, well, you know, what is the total bandwidth of those satellites and that they have this very large queue of people looking to get into the system and they've kind of kept it uh, at a stable number and they, you know, you have this backup people waiting to get on, you know, how much of that is due to hardware or how much of that is them stress testing the network to make sure that if you add that extra zero on the end of people who want to get on but can't get on, what does that actually do to your speeds? Are you ready for that? And if you've not been paying attention to all of the launches that Starlink has been doing, they're up to one a week now. And every time uh, one of the SpaceX rockets goes up, it's bringing 50 to 60 of more of their satellites up there. And they're spanning them out across the globe and extending their network. And, and these are all the second generation satellite dishes that are laser linked together, which will make the network that's much more efficient because it can spread the, the the data transmissions evenly and make everything more reliable and a whole lot faster. Yeah, this is it's it is growing as a technology. It is still going to be if you're in the city, keep what you have. But the PC Mag's final verdict was a godsend for country living. That's right. If you if you live out in the hinterlands and there is not that wire coming down the road that feeds into your house to give you high speed Internet access, this is a great option for you. A more interesting option that we're, we're not going to call great. San Francisco passes a controversial surveillance plan seven to four. Uh, recently, the Board of Supervisors agreed to test the mayor's plan to overhaul city surveillance which would allow police to access private security cameras in real time. Yeah, this makes me nervous that without any kind of whatsoever's, the police can just pull up my ring doorbell. Now, if I've given them permission to use my doorbell, that's fine. But if I didn't, or if they know that I have security cameras outside, they can tap into them. That's, it's a little concerning. Now, I like the fact that the mayor's trying to do this to help combat drug dealers and and those who are breaking the laws and and i and i get that there are things she's trying to accomplish but we're a country of laws yeah this is one it's really tough because it is rests right there in that line and you know maybe it's easier for us to say because it's not a problem that we experience on a daily basis and that for those people who do have to go through this, maybe that balance of privacy versus security, maybe they land in a different place on it. That's that's really tough. Uh, it's This is a complex, thorny issue. I do, I have some hesitations. I, I would really wanna see what protections do they have in place to ensure that this policy is only used well. Because you can design it in such a way that there are a lot of fail-safes, a lot of checks, to make sure that the people who are using it have to go through proper legal procedures. You know, did they did they build a lot of that in? You know, now I feel better. But if it's just, ah, oh, you know, you can do whatever you want with it and you don't have that guarantee that it's being used the right way, man, that's, that's weird. 
Well, the other question, is this going to be using artificial intelligence or is this actual humans using these cameras? Because the article didn't really go into that. And, and we've talked about the problems of what artificial intelligence can and cannot do, what its capabilities of understanding the differences between faces it, it can pick apart white guys all day long, but if it can't tell the difference between a black man and a black woman, that's not a good thing. Or, you know, is the type of thing wherever they leave it running for uh, days, weeks, months uh, with the artificial intelligence that throws up a flag when it sees something? Or is the type of thing wherever they have to have a human sitting there watching it? You know, artificial intelligence, as we've said numerous times before, is just a tool. It should not be the end-all, be-all. It is something that should assist humans. Humans should still be in control, pulling the, the final levers, making the big decisions. We really need to make sure that we are implemented properly. That's an excellent question. You know, how exactly are they implementing this technology? So we'll, we'll certainly keep our eye out and look for more stories about how this plays out. Because it's a trial period. It's not a, now we're going to let it go forever. This is a 15-month plan, and they can go back and revise it, change it, or cancel it with a simple vote of, of the, the, the council. So we'll see how that goes. The last story we wanted to get into today, TikTok is moving to verify political accounts in the U.S. and ban campaign fundraising. And both of these changes are very simple. They're uncontroversial, and I think this is a great example of policies that social media platforms can adopt that don't wade into those complex waters. They don't have to deal with free speech or censorship, but they provide information to the user base to help shape and guide conversation because you know whenever a person claiming to be a politician says something, are they actually that politician or are they not that politician? Yeah, TikTok says its updates are going to prohibit campaign fundraising. And that's good if it's across the board. Right. If it's skewed one political direction or if people start finding loopholes around it, then they haven't really done much other than placating to some extremist. Well, the, they've banned all political advertising since 2019. And my guess is that what they're looking to do is just add a blue check mark. You know, Twitter has their blue check mark. TikTok, I'm sure, will call it something different, something unique to their platform. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the younger politicians who are looking to develop their brand, looking to interact with the, the younger voters, have their own personal TikTok wherever they talk about bills, they talk about issues, or they just talk about themselves as human beings. You know, having that verification really goes a long way to ensuring that who you are is who you say you are. And and there's nothing wrong with the, the politician standing up saying, this is the legislation I've supported. This is the legislation we've had passed. How do you stop them from saying, so please send money to my account? Because if you support what I've done, please send money to support so I can continue doing that. I think that's, that's a, a very easy... You know, you can't say, please donate to my PAC, please donate to my campaign. But if you say, you know, here is, uh, you know, if you want to donate to these organizations, you know, if you want to Moms Demand Action or, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving or, you know, donate to those causes, you know, that's pretty easy to say. You're not helping me directly. You're helping an idea. And so I think it's not too difficult to separate out 
what is money that I as the candidate will directly benefit from versus what are ideas, what are movements that share my views. But with the billions of TikToks that are launched every day, how is TikTok system going to differentiate that? They have the best algorithms in the world already. I, It's black magic to me. I, I don't know how it works, uh, and it scares me that it works. But if anybody could do it, it would be them. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.